This is the Six Figure Home Studio Podcast, Episode 20. You're listening to the Six Figure Home Studio Podcast, the number one resource for running a profitable home recording studio. Now your hosts, Brian Hood and Chris Graham. Welcome back to another episode of the Six Figure Home Studio Podcast. I am Brian Hood, and I'm here with my co-host, Christopher Graham. How are you doing today, dude? I'm fantastic. How are you? <laughs> Why was that awkward? <laughs> I don't know. Because like, no one gives a shit how we're doing. The Six Figure Home Studio Podcast, where we don't even bother with small talk. We get right to the point. <laughs> okay, so today's topic is, should I quit my day job to start recording full-time? That's probably not going to be the podcast title of the episode, or maybe it will. I don't know. We choose that shit later. But the question is still valid. Should you, not me, because I've already done that, should you as the listener quit your day job to start recording full-time. And this episode is going to explore that topic. We have some things to address that I think are going to be very important to a lot of you if you are considering that. And I think for those of you who have loosely considered it but have been terrified and haven't done it yet, but you should be doing it, uh, I think we have a lot of stuff for you as well. And for those of you who are about to quit your day job, but you obviously should not, but you just haven't seen that yet, we're going to also preach some truth to you and hopefully stop you from making a mistake. And that's our plan today. So let's start things off real quick. Um, let's address some lies first. Chris, do you want to start this little segment out? Yeah. So this is immediately, you know, I think one of the most important things that you need to consider when you're thinking about quitting your day job and whether you're going to start a mixing business or mastering business or recording studio or whatever, all of this stuff applies. And the most important thing to keep in mind is this idea of validation, this uh, need that we have to be respected, to be thought cool by other people. And how sticky that gets when you're thinking about starting a business because you want people to think you're cool. I've seen that not just in recording, but in just general entrepreneurship. Well, the validation thing, it's sticky. It's sticky because if what you really want is for people to think that you're cool and you think that running a recording studio is the way to do that, that's dangerous because you'll make decisions so that people will think you're cooler as opposed to making decisions that will make your business run better. And if you've listened to the podcast for any amount of time, you've heard us talk about this before. But in reality, if that is the reason you're doing this, then this question does not really apply to you because you probably shouldn't be doing this in the first place. Yeah, you should do some soul searching. Yeah, do some soul searching. If your main driving factor is just getting validation from people to look cool. You're not going to carry through the tough times that are inevitably ahead of you when you do quit your day job. So I don't think that many people listening to this podcast are that type of person. I don't think that type of person really listens to this type of podcast. Honestly, I think, you know, they're more drawn towards whatever makes them look sexy. And this podcast clearly is not going to do that, but it's worth mentioning. I think. Yeah. I think it's something that we don't want to ruin anyone's lives by, you know, getting them so amped up about having a successful business that they quit their day job when they weren't ready to do that yet. And I think a good way to figure out, do I just want to do this because I think it's cool or do I want to do this because it's in my blood? A good way to figure that out is to ask yourself, would you still do it if literally everyone that you know thought you were stupid for doing this? Well, that's easy because everyone does think I'm stupid for <laughs> doing this. <laughs> so let's imagine, you know, you're going to quit your job and everyone, your best buds, your friends, your significant other, your parents, your siblings, everyone was like, oh my gosh, she's such an idiot. And no one respects you anymore. Would you still do it? And if the answer is maybe, 
then there's a pretty good chance that validation is not what you're after. And that's a good sign. If the answer is, I guess that would be a deal breaker for me, that doesn't mean that you shouldn't still do it, but it's at least a good question to give you pause. Another thing I see, and this is specifically for the people who are looking for validation, is they think or they want to only record cool bands or they think they're only going to record cool bands. So it's kind of one of those things where they do not have realistic expectations and therefore are definitely not in a place where they should be quitting their day job because Chris, I'm sure you can vouch for me on this. You are not going to only record cool bands if you're doing this full time, unfortunately. Yeah. If you're going to do this for a living, about one out of a bajillion people are going to look back 20 years from now and say, man, I only recorded bands that I thought were awesome. Yeah. And some people are at that part in their careers right now where they're in just such high demand. They can pick and choose exactly who they want to work with for every single project. But that's rare. That is the exception. That is not the rule. So if you're not prepared to work with some duds, uh, you you may not be asking the right questions here. Yeah. And I think a lot of what that comes back to, and this is super interesting, is do you want to be in a recording studio for a living for cool reasons or because you think it's awesome to help people? Or you just love doing it, you know? I mean, I think we've kind of beat this topic to death on here. I think people kind of understand, but check yourself. Check yourself to see what your real motives are because first of all, if you quit your day job and your motive is because you want to look cool doing the studio thing, you're not going to last long and you're going to end up hurting yourself and maybe those around you, especially if you have a family. So we kind of wanted to address that before we get into some of this stuff in here. So this next section is, does this question even apply to you? Before we get into yes or no's, it's important that we address if this question is even valid for you as a listener. And I think one of the first things we have to jump into is this idea that this comes back to validation that I either have to be full-time or I have to not really do it at all or just barely do it on the side. That's not the case for everyone and it's not the best way to look at this problem for everyone. If you're in a situation where you have a great part-time job or where you have a really flexible semi-full-time job, then the best solution for you might be to wean yourself off of your, the phrase is golden handcuffs, you know, to wean yourself off of your job slowly as you slowly try to build up your clientele for your business. This is not a bad thing and there's absolutely nothing wrong with doing this. Honestly, I think it's probably for most people, it's the best scenario to be in. And I think for a lot of people, there's also the situation where you think you don't have a flexible job, you think you are stuck at 40 hours a week or nothing. But in all reality, if you went to your boss or you went to whoever's in charge and you asked for less hours or you asked if you can move to part-time, it may be something that's a conversation. They may be looking to cut down on their staff. They may be looking to cut down on hours to give them to someone else. Someone else may want your hours. So until you can have this conversation, you know, it may not be time to quit your job. It may be time to cut down the amount of hours you're going to work instead of just all out quitting. Yeah. So a great resource for this, I know we've mentioned it pretty much every episode, is a book called The 4-Hour Workweek. And The 4-Hour Workweek, one of the first things it talks about is how to, first and foremost, not just jump ship and start a business, but how to wean yourself off of your job so that you can start a business. And the ultimate reason of why you start a business in The 4-Hour Workweek is that so you can do something you'd rather do with your time. Now, the beauty of this is if you go to your boss and you say, hey, I noticed that I'm really productive when I work from home. And the great thing for me is I've, you know, I've got a 45 minute commute both ways. I just end up working longer because I don't have to commute when I work from home. Is it okay if I work from home three days? And if you do that and you become massively productive 
if that works for you and now you're the most valuable employee for your company, when it comes time to negotiate for a raise and you can negotiate for part-time or from a completely work-from-home scenario where you have the flexibility to, say, record bands during the day and work at night, then things get interesting. This question of should I quit my job becomes less applicable. Okay, so let's jump into should you quit your job? Should you quit your day job? Yes or no? In this section, we're going to talk about all the no's first. If you match any of these criteria, the answer is probably no, you should not quit your day job because uh, this is the easiest one to tackle. And the first one is, and it's the most obvious, we want to get this out of the way first, is if you are terrible at recording, you should not quit your day job. Why is that, Chris? (laughs) Well, it's hard to get people to hire you when you're really bad at the thing they're going to hire you to do. Well, how do you know if you're bad at this? That's a great question. I think there's two important things to look at. One, are you better at it than everybody you know? Or at least competitive with everybody you know? And number two is when you listen to the radio or when you listen to your favorite bands on Spotify or Tidal, which is what I use, by the way. I love Tidal, the hi-fi. It's so good. When you listen to your favorite bands, do you think to yourself, hmm, that's not how I would have mixed that snare or hmm, that, comp- that was compressed too much. I would have mastered that differently or hmm, that vocal needed parallel compression. Why didn't they use parallel compression? If you're thinking these things and you're thinking I would have done that different in a different way, that's a pretty good sign that you have a critical ear. And if you have a critical ear, there's a pretty good chance that you're pretty good at this. Yeah, depending on what you're doing. Yeah, depending on what you're doing. If you don't listen to records and ever think to yourself, oh, geez, why didn't they move that snare hit back a couple milliseconds? If you don't notice things that are wrong with popular records, you might not be good at this. Another way that I like to tell people is if you can't get people to pay you, then try to do free work. If you can't get people to give you free work, you're probably bad at what you do. That's the litmus test. If no one will even let you touch their songs for free, then you probably need to improve your skill set before you could ever, ever consider quitting your day job. Yeah. And that gets into an interesting scenario. It might be that you're decent at it, but that you are so bad at marketing that you would not be able to successfully start a business. And if that's the case, then you need to spend some time up in your marketing skills. All right. So the next no topic would be if you live in the middle of absolutely nowhere, which basically means there's no clients anywhere. Yeah. You know, or the nearest band uh, is 40 miles away. That's going to be a problem. If that's the case, you probably should not quit your job. I will say there's a caveat to that. You know, I started in Alabama, Athens, Alabama, town of 20,000 people. You know, I did it for the first year, moved into a commercial facility in Lacey Spring, Alabama, a town of about 5,000 people. And I did perfectly fine. You know, I made 30 grand my first year, maybe 40 or 50 my second and third year. And this is in the middle of nowhere, you know, relatively. It was North Alabama. So you don't have to be in a city like Nashville or LA or New York in order to make a living. It helps, but you know, don't let it dissuade you. Now, that being said, if you live in, as Chris was telling me, Alaska, a tough place to make it in the music industry, most likely, although we don't know from firsthand experience, or you, know, you live in the Midwest and you're not anywhere near a city of at least 50,000 people, then you may struggle to do this full time to have the, the clientele to do that. Also, there is the thing called the internet. So that does shrink the world down a bit. So depending on what your, what services you're offering, you may be able to do exclusively everything online. So if you match just the fact that you live in the middle of nowhere, it doesn't mean you should not quit your day job, but 
you know, listen to the rest of this episode because you may know by the end of this whether you should or not. That's just something to consider. If you live in the middle of nowhere, that is definitely something that's going to be a strong no for most people. Yeah. One of the good litmus tests for that as well is can you even get broadband internet access where you are? Ooh, yeah, seriously. If you can't get broadband internet access, good luck. In, in Lacey Spring, Alabama, they had just brought it in the month before I moved there. So it was one of those <laughs> like, if it had been six months earlier, I would not have been able to move there. I could not have done it without fast, or fast enough internet, at least a 20 meg connection. Yeah. So the next one here is, is a tough one. You know, I kind of am uncomfortable reading it, but basically it's this thing where should you quit your day job? If you aimlessly talk and dream, but never follow through, you should pause. If two months ago you were going to start an ice cream parlor and then that just (laughs) sort of like, you know, fell apart, you lost interest. And the next month you were going to become an astronaut and then you lost interest. And then two weeks later you were like, I've got this invention and it's a GoPro camera that you can strap on the back of a bug. That's stupid. Cut that, Sean. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely not cutting that out. Sorry, dude. What a brilliant business idea, Chris. I'm I'm quitting the podcast, guys. I'm starting a new business. We're building GoPros for bugs. It's going to be great. Oh, that's great. I know what you're saying, though. I, I know people that every single time I talk to them, they have this new angle they're working towards some business idea something new and exciting to them they're all talk they're no follow-through they have absolutely no follow-through on what they ever talk about and if that is you no 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 you're going to just quit your day job to do your studio and then you're going to change your mind and now you're going to be in this bad predicament so if you have no follow-through don't quit your day job yeah so i i think a good way to see if you have follow-through is have you started reading business books Have you started reading books about how to run a small business? Yeah. Because if you're doing this full time, yeah, you have to have business knowledge because it's tough. It takes work. It takes dedication. If you don't take this seriously, you don't take your education behind running a business seriously, then you're going to be in for a tough ride. I think I would say to those people, there's a great quote out there. Everyone's a reader, but not everyone's found the right book. So if your sort of response to this is, oh, I'm not really a reader, Neither was I, neither was Brian at one point. And then we found the right book, which was four hour work week, by the way. Four hour work week, yeah, that was good. <laughs> so <laughs> here's the thing. If you're passionate about something, it will drive you to do things you don't like in the service of that passion. For me, I was passionate about running my mastering business. I was so passionate about it that I started reading books, even though I didn't like reading books. And that was wild. So if you aimlessly talk and dream and never follow through and you don't have enough drive to do things you don't want to do in the service of things you do want to do, don't quit your job. Don't quit your job. All right. So the next one is a very important one to consider. So if you are considering quitting your day job, but you have less than six months runway in the bank account, you should not quit your job. What do we mean by runway, Chris? Runway. Runway is a businessy term that's used in startups a lot out in Silicon Valley. I love that show so much. It's coming out again soon. Yeah, it's season five is on its way. Me and uh, my friend Trevor rewatching the entire all seasons right now. So <laughs> back to what matters here. So runway is this term in startups, which means let's say you don't make any money when you start your business, that you are building your client list, you're building your infrastructure, you're building the studio itself. How long can you go without making any money? That's your runway. Yep. 
So if you have six months of living expenses in the bank account, you can make zero dollars for six months straight and still survive. Yeah. So that's important. An important thing to think about is if you're going to quit your job, you need to think about your runway. How long can I go? And then here's the next thing. If you quit your job, you go six months, it doesn't work out. What are you going to do? Can you find a new job? Can you come back to your old job? And if you're in a situation where you're in a small town, your dad worked at the factory and with a union job and he, you know, for 30 years and he got you a union job and for you to quit is to spit in his face and to spit in everyone else's face and you're burning bridges and you're not sure what you would do if it didn't work out, it should give you pause. Yeah, you may not want to quit your job if that's you, unless you match a lot of the yeses that we're going to cover in a minute. And for those of you with family, this is especially important because for you to put your family's well-being in jeopardy, the potentially losing a house or a car or the inability to feed your family, that's that's a lot of things to risk if you don't have runway. And if you have runway, it makes that transition a lot less scary because that six months runway is saying if you make $0. And if you're making $0, you shouldn't quit anyways, which we'll talk about in a second. But most likely, even on bad months where you lose money, you're still covering at least half your expenses a lot of times or three quarters of your expenses. And so, you know, you still have five and three quarters months left of runway after the first month. So it's not like you're going to go through all six months and then flop around and fail. You're going to have a lot of time to see, hey, our bank account's dwindling three, four months in. And by month six, you may not be at zero, but you may be at a point where you know it's time to find a day job and go back to what it was that you were uh, working on originally. Bingo. Well, and the next thing we were going to talk about, and this is sort of tied into this idea of runway, is... Let's, let's have a little bit of an awkward conversation, guys. Brian, what percentage of audio engineers that you know who have been married ended up getting divorced? Ooh, gosh, that's a good question. And no judgment if that's you, but let's, we just want to be honest here. I know a few who have been successful. I know a few who were successful then crashed and burned in a fire. And then I know a couple that just did not last a year. So what you getting at with this? Well, I think the important thing to think about, and this ties into your runway as well, but it ties into this next point of having your significant other on board with you. If you're married, if you've got a serious, you know, boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever, that's an important support network for you. And honestly, you know, my wife is just about the most important thing in my life. And, you know, everything else that we have, my business, our kids, our home, everything stems from my relationship with her for the most part. And if she's not on board with something, it's not sustainable in the long run for me to do it. So it's, I think it's really important to think about, you know, if you want to stay with your significant other, how is starting this business, how is quitting your job going to affect this? Is it going to improve your relationship with it or is it going to add strain? And these are things you have to evaluate. And frankly, you know, like I come from a broken home and you know, for me, making my marriage work is absolutely, it's like my number one thing. It's not, I'm not going to be that guy. I'm going to make it, you know, till death do us part. And the thing that's intense about that is, this is a tough field to do it in, man. And it's something you got to think about. If you're going to quit your job, if you're going to take the plunge, you need to look at the ramifications, not just can you make it work from a business standpoint, but what does success look like? And if success looks like, your life has been ruined, 
but you're recording cool bands every day, F that noise, man. Also, you know, if she's not on board and you try to do it anyways, well, when times get tough, it's going to be a, I told you so kind of conversation instead of how can we make this work? And that's, uh, that's a lot of stress you don't want to deal with, I think. Yeah. So let me just sort of pipe in here in that we're not trying to be judgmental. We're not trying to stomp on anybody. We're not trying to look down our noses at anybody. You know, there's a, a phrase, but for the grace of God, there go I, that comes to mind. You know, when I talk about how most audio engineers end up getting divorced, boy, I feel so lucky and so blessed that, you know, I've been married 11 years and I'm doing great. But this is something you got to think about when you're going to take a plunge like this, an intense plunge, like quitting your job and starting a recording studio or whatever, man, you need support there. Yeah. She was supportive when you did it. I remember we, we've talked about this on the podcast before. And Super supportive. Were she skeptical or, or in no way supportive? It may have been a different conversation, a different trajectory on your career. Very, very true. The final no we have, should you quit your job? Well, it's a no if you, if you currently struggle to fill your calendar with paid work because- if the supply outweighs the demand, your supply of time is great and your demand is low, that's not going to change magically whenever you quit your day job. That's just not going to happen. So if you still struggle to keep your calendar full, then let's talk about what we can do to change the supply-demand ratio here and not quit your day job. And there's plenty of resources on the podcast and the blog about that. Did you have something you want to add to that, Chris? Yeah, I think this is a great transition you know, into the yes category because ultimately... Um, what this comes down to is when you do make the jump, they're probably, and this isn't true for everybody, but I'd say 80, 90% of people, there should probably be a near nervous breakdown that causes you to make the jump. (laughs) Yeah. This sort of like, man, dude, I got deposits from five bands, but I'm a full time fill in the blank. And oh my gosh, I like, I'm looking at my calendar and I'm going to literally be working 90 hours for the next six months. Yep. It's ruining my marriage because I don't spend any free time with my wife and my relationship with my kids is suffering because all my waking hours are spent working on these projects coming in because I only have, you know, 20 hours a week free to do these projects and I'm book solid for months. Yeah. That's kind of the conversation where it's an obvious yes, you should probably consider quitting your day job if this is what you want to do full-time and you have the support of your family. But let's just say, let's just start from the beginning here, Chris. We're getting ahead of ourselves. Let's talk about the yes conversation. Should you quit your day job if you have nothing to lose? This is kind of how I got started. I just had nothing to lose. Uh, I left my band. I left my job at GameStop, (laughs) which which I was getting paid a a whopping $5.50 an hour after two years there. But did you get free games? I did. I did. That was why I did it. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I had nothing to lose. I was living with my parents still. If the studio would have failed, what would have happened? I would have got another terrible job at the mall or something. You know, I would have found something to do. So I really, I literally had nothing to lose at that point. And so there was no reason not to, if that's the case. Yeah. If that's you, do it, do it, do it. <laughs> Like that's such an awesome place to be. If you're like, Hey, I work, I have a Mick job. I got nothing to lose. I'm just going to go for it. And I think that's just awesome. And that's the way a lot of rad businesses have been started with this. Like, Hey, worst case scenario. Um, I'm only going to be able to eat ramen for like three months. Do it. And that's awesome. So here is, here's a cool one. And, you know, this kind of goes back to in our previous list of no's, there was one about, you know, if you jump from one thing to the next and you have no consistency and no follow through. On the other hand, 
If you've thought about doing this every single day for, let's say, 30 days, and you literally have dreams about it at night, you can't get it out of your head. Do it. Do it. Yeah. Do it's, it. A, it's, a, it's a yes, I think, at this point. And have you ever actually sat down and thought about where your next client will come from? Most freelancers don't because most freelancers' number one strategy for getting new clients is something called hope marketing. And if that sounds like you, you're not alone. Most freelancers think that just by putting out great work, clients will come banging down your door to hire you. Now, while you obviously do need to be good at what you do, we both know that this strategy does not work. Otherwise, your calendar would be 100% booked solid with amazing projects from your ideal clients. So to help you with this fight against hopium addiction, I'm excited to announce that our flagship coaching program, Clients by Design, has finally opened up applications again. This transformational coaching journey is not a one-size-fits-all. It's tailor-made just for you. We'll do a deep dive into your business to see what's missing, and we'll lay out a step-by-step roadmap to guide you over the next six to eight months. And here's the best part. We don't just give you the plan and send you on your way. We give you personal one-on-one help so you never get stuck. And we make sure you actually follow through with something called our absolute accountability system. So if you're ready to stop relying on hope marketing and ready to start building your own client acquisition machine so you can get a steady flow of clients, then it's time to step up and apply for clients by design and see if you're a good fit. Just go to sixfigurecreative.com slash coach. And I'll be the first to say that this program is not for everyone. So far, we've only accepted about 25% of those who apply. So if you want to find out if you're a good fit, just go to sixfigurecreative.com slash coach and fill out the application. Now here's our show. You know, if if that's the case, but you don't have a supportive spouse and you don't have runway and all these other things, then, you know, it could be a not a no, but you know, the dream, man, you can't kill that sometimes. And sometimes the only way to get that out of your mind is to go do it. And I've just seen people who, you know, they may not have really been ready to do it, but they, they just had that fire. They had to, to chase that dream. They had to chase and, and they did great. They did great with their careers because they were willing to do the shit that no one else is willing to do. And it was driven by that dream and that desire and that unquenchable thirst to succeed because that is exactly what they wanted to do. So let me tell a funny story. So about a year ago, I got a phone call from this lady and I pick up the phone and she's like, hi, my name is Susie and my son would like to be an intern at your studio. And oh she cold God, called you. <laughs> she cold called me on behalf of her son. Okay. And I was in a good mood. So I, I love with her. I was like, I was like, ma'am, I'm going to be honest with you. You should absolutely stop calling studios on behalf of your son right now because nobody will even take your son on as an unpaid intern if he doesn't have enough initiative to do this on his own. So true. Good God. So if your thought is, oh, I think it'd be pretty cool to like have a recording studio business. I don't know. I'll get my mom to call around. Yeah. my uh. Like if, if, if you're just, <laughs> if you think it'd be quote unquote pretty cool, that's a red flag. But if you think about it every single day and you're just like, oh man, Oh man, oh man. And you're supposed to be working and all you're doing is looking through the Sweetwater catalog and and (laughs) drooling over gear. Then I think hazard the cost, I would say just freaking go for it because you'll constantly look back and say, man, what would have happened if I did that? I think you should, your goal should be to get in a position where you minimize your downside, which would mean, you know, maybe you, you have runway. That's one way to minimize the downside. Yeah. Maybe you even interview for a job and you say, hey, um, I can start in four months or I can start in six months and then you quit your current job and then you've got three months, you know, whatever, all in where you're going to try to make it happen. Yep. 
And if you succeed, you can just not take that job. If you fail, you start that job. Exactly. So to get yourself in a situation where you're minimizing your downside is, I think, a really good and important concept here. It doesn't have to be, I'm going to quit my job, and if this doesn't work, I'm going to starve to death. That's not the point here. There's no romance in that whatsoever. It should be, I'm going to quit my job, or I'm going to you know, quit one of my jobs, or I'm going to stop accepting certain types of projects you know, that I've been freelancing for this other business that I run, whatever it is. If it's all you think about, I really think you owe it to your soul to just give it a shot and minimize the downside as much as you can. So here's another thing that I want to address, and that is if none of those no's really matched with you, you're on this edge of maybe quitting your job, but the only thing holding you back from quitting is the fear of the unknown or the fear of failure that is an absolute yes. You need to do it. You need to take that leap of faith and pursue this full time because I've just seen this from so many people, even my own students that I talk to, they're crushing it. And the biggest bottleneck in their careers is their damn day job. And they just can't leave their job because they want that consistent income. And they don't want to lose that consistent income, but it would take literally no amount of effort to replace that income because they've already built and established themselves. They already have a steady stream of clients, but the only thing holding them back is just that fear of the unknown or that potential fear of failure. And I'll tell you right now, if that is you, you've just got to do it. Just do it. (laughs) Yeah, I agree. You know, if it's just a fear thing, you know, it's just, a, oh, I'm afraid. I, it's worth it to do it just to face your fear. Just the personal development that that can help with is worth it. Even if you fail, it, that's a good thing. And let me, let me tell you something here. If I were interviewing people, as I sometimes am, and they told me, and I asked them, you know, what's your current job? And they would say, well, I'm unemployed. And say, oh, tell me about that. And they say, well, I had this dream of starting this business. I went for it and I failed that makes them stand out. I'm significantly more interested in hiring them. If I could see evidence that they were like, I took a risk, I went for it, man. And that's cool. So quitting your job and then starting a business that fails isn't necessarily a resume killer. It might be a resume maker. So keep that in mind. That's sort of a case in point. This is a funny story. Good friend of mine um, graduated law school and he applied for a job at one of the biggest law firms here in town, you know, hundreds of applicants. And he, he got a follow-up interview and they ended up hiring him and he asked them why they ended up hiring him. And, and they said, well, you know, your grades were good and, you know, you looked really good on paper. But what it really was, was you had put out a CD, you had a CD of your own music that made you jump out and that caught our attention. So we hired you. It's those unique qualifications that gets you a job. So if you try to make this work, It doesn't work out, but then you have this line in your resume about how you went for something that you really wanted. You're going to jump out of a stack of resumes at the person reading them. All right, let's go to the next point. This is a yes. If the only reason you have not quit your day job is because of that damn paycheck, it may be time. And this goes kind of with the last one, the fear of the unknown. You're just still sitting there collecting that paycheck comfortably, uh, but you can't quite make the leap. Well, if it's because you just want the money, the consistent income, it may be time to leave. I've talked about this on the blog before, but the thought of golden handcuffs, and that is where your day job is basically keeping you handcuffed by a steady stream of income. Now, some people it's a higher amount, some people it's a lower amount, but across the board, it's a steady amount. And that's the draw that keeps them in. Those are the way the golden handcuffs are kept on them. And that has kept so many amazing producers from ever 
pushing out into this full time is those golden handcuffs. And I hate to see it from so many people because if they were to just make that leap of faith, they would make so much more from their studios because they're insanely talented. They're gifted. They have connections. They have past clients, but they just won't let go of those golden handcuffs, that steady stream of income from their day job, even though it wouldn't take more than a few extra days a month of work to fill that gap in their income up. Yeah. Well, and the interesting thing about that is there's a flip side of the coin. If you don't want to quit because you are, you love that monthly paycheck, that's a good thing. Because if you do quit, it means that you pay attention to your financials. A lot of times you see people that start a recording studio and you say, oh, well, how much money do you make last month? Oh, I don't know. How much money do you make last year? Oh, uh, I forget. I don't know. Like in a situation like that, that's terrifying. You're not going to be successful unless you are a little bit into numbers to be able to look at your, your metrics, as it were, to be able to look at a scoreboard and say, this is how much money I made. These are how many projects I closed. So if you don't want to quit because of the golden handcuffs, because you're a numbers person, you like that consistency, that's actually an advantage for you as a business owner. It means that you'll hustle to make it work. Yeah, because that first month where you see that drop in income because you don't have sugar daddy corporate job giving you that consistent sweet payout every month, you're going to get off your ass and go find some clients. Yeah, so let me speak about that just real quick. When you have a job, you still have a business. The only difference is that you only have one customer. Here's the problem with that. The business of you, aka your job, has one customer. And if that one customer decides to stop buying, you're screwed. You're done. Here's the difference. When you own a business and you have multiple customers within a month, in order to get fired, you have to get fired by all of them. And that will rarely ever happen unless you are on the news for doing something you shouldn't have done. Yeah, exactly. You, you will literally have to make national news. Which, funny story, the, uh, <laughs> the, the mayor of Nashville just pled guilty for felony charges of theft and is what? resigned today. So thanks, Megan Barry, for desecrating our good name of Nashville. But anyways, back to what you were talking about. Yeah. If you have a business and you only have one customer a month, you still have a job. You don't have a business. Here's the thing that's amazing about having a business. If you can work in a way that allows you to have multiple projects in a given month, then you have a business and you have to get fired by all of your customers to lose it. It's actually, if done properly, significantly more secure than a job. It really is. Now you are on the hook for finding those clients. So it does take a little bit of effort and especially to get your snowball rolling, your word of mouth snowball, as I call it, to where you don't have to actively search for projects all the time. Uh, but you know, sometimes even if you do have a full calendar with word of mouth clients, it doesn't hurt to market because you can always find better clients, bigger and better projects. You can always improve things. But let's talk about the final thing we have on our, our outline for yeses here. If you're looking at quitting your day job to start recording full-time and you already, and we already kind of touched on this, but you already have a steady stream of small, consistent projects. You're completely booked up for months. You've already collected deposits and deposits right there are the key, by the way. You've already collected deposits for months in advance. Well, in this scenario, this is the opposite of the no situation where you have more time than demand, more supply of time and less of a demand for time. This is the situation where you cannot take any more projects on. You only have so many hours in the week. And so the only th logical thing to do is to either cut down the hours at your day job significantly so you can start ramping up 
your amount of projects you're taking on in the studio or just cutting out the day job altogether. And if you have the six months runway in the bank, you have your spouse's support and you have a steady stream of clients, then it's an absolute no-brainer that you should be considering quitting your day job and doing it this full-time. Yeah, I love that. The deposits thing is such a big deal. If you have gotten a bunch of bands to sign agreements or to accept your terms or whatever, you know, whether it's a contract or whatever, however you do business and bands have said, hey, here's 50% down or here's 30% down or whatever you do, and you have multiple bands with multiple deposits on the table, quit your friggin' job for sure. But if you have, if you're booked, I use air quotes here, you can't see me. If you're booked <laughs> up <laughs> I can see six you. months in advance. Cut that out, Sean. That was weird. <laughs> that was creepy, but don't cut it out. If you're booked up six months in advance and they're all just verbal agreements. You not you haven't gotten a single payment from anyone and you think you're going to quit your day job. Don't do that. You yeah. better expect at least half of those clients to drop off. At, at least. Deposits are what keep people from backing out. And if they've put their money down, you can rest assured that they are going to show up lest they do not get their deposit back. And I've seen this from people before. They think they're getting so much revenue. They, they think they're going to have an incredible month and every single person backs out and they get discouraged. They get depressive and... They don't know what to do. And I'll tell you the same thing I would tell them. And that is take a damn deposit. Take some damn deposits so you don't have to worry about that kind of stuff happening. But if you've got deposits, you're booked up. You've got to send a stream of past clients. You've got runway. Quit your damn job. Quit your damn job. Well, and caveat with that, as far as sales go, until you're holding money, you have not made a sale. It doesn't matter what they say. It doesn't matter how enthusiastically they say oh we're definitely going to recording with we're going to record with you we're definitely going to show up on friday we're definitely da, 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 da. doesn't mean anything until you're holding money i think it's really important to look at it that way you should never quit your job because a lot of people have told you they will hire you these would need to be like the most trustworthy people of all time and let's face it you're going to record bands for a living this is a demographic not exactly known for their follow-through your deposit should absolutely cover your living expenses at a minimum. So if you need 30, 40, 50%, if you can live off 10%, then just take 10% if that's all you want to do. But it makes sure that if no one shows up for the entire month, you still have your bills covered at the very least. Yeah, man. As far as like the worst mistakes I've ever made, there was a time in my life when I was producing for a living and I didn't have a deposit and I was, I was abroad. I was traveling in South America and I ended up coming back early on the off chance that the client would call me back. Oh yeah, boo. We talked about that in the past episode. That's true, yeah. So it was terrible. So the deposits, man, learn from my terrible mistakes, get a deposit. Yeah, I just tell people, I don't put you on my calendar until I get a deposit, period. And you can wait as long as you want. You can wait till the day before if you want. But if that calendar spot is booked up by someone else that gave me a deposit, you've got to wait. You can wait till next month or whatever my next opening is. And the fact that there's scarcity involved will get people to jump. All right. So let's kind of wrap this episode up, Chris. Yeah. So the big thing here is let's imagine you do quit your job. It's a year from now and you've failed miserably. Here are the reasons that you failed miserably. Here are the potential reasons that you failed miserably. One, you took too much debt. You spent a ton of money. And you couldn't make your payments on it, whether that's you're renting a facility uh, to put a studio into, whether that's you bought a bunch of gear on credit or whatever it is, debt. Debt's the is one of the number one killers. Yep. And I want to go ahead and say that I've always taught 
the lean methodology when it comes to studios, keeping it lean, keeping your expenses low. And there's a guide I have, sixfigurehomestudio.com slash resources. If you scroll down, somewhere in there is the lean home studio. And that is basically how I would start a studio today if I had a budget of like three grand. And you could get started with that much. Yeah. And for those of you who have this gear obsession where you go into debt in order to quote unquote be legitimate, you may fall into the category where at the end of the year, you've spent more than you've made because your overhead is so high because you have debt that you've taken on to buy this gear that you don't deserve yet. And it sounds harsh, but in reality, it's true. You don't deserve the gear until you can afford it. So if you were buying gear on debt, you were taking, you're renovating your studio on debt. I don't think you deserve it yet. I think you need to wait until you can afford it before you deserve it. Yeah. So the number two thing that will shut you down, and I think this is an easy thing to forget, is it's not about whether you're good at this. It's not about whether you can get a good band to hire you. It's not about whether you can get the best band ever to hire you. It's about consistent monthly revenue. Let me say that again. Consistent monthly revenue. What drives virtually every business out of business that's ever gone out of business was they had a slow month or two. They couldn't pay their bills. Yep. Done. And I've, I've talked about this on the pod or maybe on the blog where I had a month where, you know, from one month to the next was a 10 X difference in income, maybe a 20 X <laughs> difference. So you've had those. you, yeah, you have to be prepared for some crazy shit to happen month to month sometimes. And if I would have had two of those in a row at that time, you know, I'd have been probably been struggling. I don't know if I even was great at finances and, and saving for the inevitable, um, low months at that time. Yeah, so I would define this question of should you quit your job and go full-time more precisely as can you generate enough consistent monthly revenue to be able to afford to live? If the answer is yes, then do it. If it's, I don't know, you need to do some more research. Now, consistent monthly revenue is a little bit counter-juxtaposed. I don't know what the word I'm looking for. Juxtaposed will work. It's the opposite of what a lot of people hope for in this industry. What most people hope for is, you know, I started this business, I got a recording studio, and then fill in the blank, XYZ, ridiculously huge artist showed up, or I discovered this artist who then exploded. And here's the thing, discovering that huge artist or working with that, it rarely happens, one. And even if it does, it has nothing to do with whether you will book projects the month after you finish your project with that. It's about consistent monthly revenue. And when your business model is based on, I want to work with one customer all day, every day for two months, that's, that's problematic. That's troublesome because they are going to flake out sometimes. And when they do, you won't be able to pay your bills and you're going to have to go get a job. That word scares me. You should be terrified of that word, guys. J-O-B, get that shit out of here. I hate it. So think about this in terms of can you generate consistent monthly revenue? That's what it's all about. And I will say this, the smaller the project, the more you can take on, the more consistent the revenue. So I'm a weirdo. I run a mastering company. Our projects compared to my production company from a decade or so ago are tiny. You know, they're, you know, 500 bucks or so, you know, is a pretty big project for me. But I do a lot of $500 projects. As a result, my income is really, really consistent. And it has been for years and years and years. So this consistent monthly revenue thing, it's really important. You got to think about this. It's not about, are you cool enough to get awesome bands and you can have, you know, three months of working with a ridiculously high paying client. 
It's about whether you can create consistent monthly revenue. And back to our Billy Decker interview, the dude clearly has consistent monthly revenue because he takes on so many projects. Yeah, it's true. All right, so let's kind of leave things off with this. What is, and only you can answer this question, but what is the worst case scenario for each of these two situations? Um, If you're staying at your day job, what is the worst case scenario for your day job? And Soul crushing depression? Yeah, I'm going to kind of just go on a limb and say, probably lack of fulfillment, you know, soul crushing depression, you know, the feeling of the regret that you're going to have when you look back on your life and you just didn't even try, you know, and that's not going to be the same for everyone. I'm, I'm kind of projecting here, but only you can answer the question, but I need, you need, you have to answer that question uh, because if you're considering living your day job, but your fear is holding you back, then at the end of your life, you're going to have a lot of regret based around what you didn't do. I can tell you that most people will agree that they don't regret the things they did as much as the things they did not do. And so by not attempting to run your studio, by not following your passions and dreams, by staying at that day job, that corporate ladder that you hate and despise just because, you know, someone told you once that that was the the, the route you should take, you know, that's something to consider. What is the worst case scenario for your day job? Now, the other question you have to answer is what's the worst case scenario for leaving your day job? Because that is a real thing that you have to consider. And it could be your your home gets foreclosed on. It could be that the stress breaks your family apart. I mean, that's a real reality. I, you can't deny. And I don't want that to happen to anyone, but it is something to consider. And only you can answer that question. It could be that you lose your car. It could be that you have to downsize. It could be that you have a lot of stress for a while and then you have to go back to your day job. So there are some terrible scenarios for both, but consider your own unique situation and figure this out because a lot of times leaving your day job to start your studio full-time worst case scenario if you approach it right it could just be that you go for a few months you go for six months it's not working out you go back to your day job that may be the worst case scenario for some of you and if that's the case just go for it see if you can make it work because the worst case scenario in that situation is not that bad yeah so here's our last point And I think this one gets back to whether should you quit your day job or not? What is this a relevant question? Is it a good question? Should you even be asking yourself this? And it comes down to this one idea and that's minimizing your downside. Let's say you don't quit your day job and the downside of not quitting your day job is this, you know, you don't feel creatively fulfilled or, you know, whatever. Are are there different ways where you can minimize that downside? Could you do, uh, you know, a program like Mix with the Masters during your vacation time? You know, something, uh, this amazing rock and roll fantasy camp type thing. Are there things you can do to change your hours around so that you have, uh, so that you're working a lot more Monday through Thursday and then you have Friday off and Fridays when you record bands? Are there ways you can minimize the downside of not quitting your job? The flip side of that coin is, are there ways you can minimize the downside of quitting your job? So you got to look at, you know, what's the worst case scenario and how can I minimize that worst case scenario? And that is where this starts to get really, really, really interesting. If the worst case scenario of you quitting your job based on your current plan is that you'll be $40,000 in debt by buying a bunch of gear and putting a bunch of rent down on a studio. And if it doesn't work, the downside is that you'll have to go bankrupt. That's a bad downside. Are there things you can do instead that minimize your downside? Could you get a smaller space? Do you really need a live drum room? Because that's the most expense when you, if you're going to build your own facility. It's a lot of square footage that you need to rent and renovate. 
Yep. And if you're in Nashville, that's absolutely pointless, in my opinion, because there's so many great studios to record drums out here in Nashville or LA or New York. Or Columbus, Ohio, man. There's plenty of good places to record yeah. drums. Atlanta. I mean, every city is going to have some places for you to record drums. And if that saves you 700 a month on you know, what your overhead is by not building a drum room or by not getting into a building that has a big enough space for drum room, then by all means, save that 700 a month and only book it out and basically upcharge the bands when they need it. So that way you don't have to be stuck with that every single month, whether you're using it or not. Well, and here's the fantastic part of this. If you can minimize your downside when you do quit your job, you can also extend your runway. So if you don't have to pay that extra $700 a month because you don't have a drum room and your rent's a whole lot cheaper, or you decide to do it in your basement instead of renting a facility, or you decide to, and I don't know, you decide to do it all with, uh, you know, in the box, as opposed to spending a ton of money on a bunch of analog gear. If you decide to do stuff like that, your runway might go from being three months long to being nine months long. That gets really interesting. You know, when your runway is nine months long because your monthly expenses are so low, that means once you've spent all your runway money, it's a lot easier to continue to make enough money each month to stay in business. So think about it like that. Minimize your downside. It's not just should I quit my job or not, but what are the downsides of both and how can you minimize the downsides of both? And the dragon comes in the night. Holy shit. Oh, I, I lost that one. That, that, didn't, that, was, that, didn't, that didn't go well. That was something else. Holy shit. Let me try that again. Yeah. And the dragon comes in the night. 